right, and welcome to It Stinks, the Critic Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Rubinow. We're back here for season two. Today we're looking at uh, episode one of season two of The Critic, Sherman, Woman, and Child. And uh, joining me as we go through uh, this episode is uh, writer, musician, guitar player, and podcaster in his own right, uh, Brandon Beck. Welcome, Brandon. Hey, Brian, I'm drunk on shrimp wine. <laughs> oh, you, you sound almost like uh, Bill Clinton in this episode. <laughs> God, that I wish that joke would have gone on for four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would have watched it all. Um, uh, but yeah, before we get too ahead of ourselves, uh, Brandon, you also have a special connection to this podcast. You wrote the very theme music we heard at the beginning and at the beginning of every episode. I sure did. Yeah, that was a that was a fun challenge of trying to not directly just do the critic theme, but have something that had that same sort of like Gershwin uh, kind of vibe to it. Because the thing I realized about the theme for the critic and and why it uh, why it's so effective for this particular show, aside from the sort of like New Yorkiness of it with like the sort of Gershwin influences and the, uh, you know, uh, Woody Allen connection um, in the just style is that the, the way that song is orchestrated is it's like it's a lot of really high like brat like reedy brassy notes, you know, right. that are very, very full of very, very full of themselves. Sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah, and they're they're all up there. It's very like highfalutin, and then he comes in, like to sort of really like bring the thing back back down to earth. And it's it's it, it captures his dynamic of like the way he's just sort of against the whole world all the time for being pretentious or dumb or any number of things. Um, so I tr- I tried to capture a little bit of that. Um, and I think I like halfway succeeded. <laughs> you know, I, I never actually thought about the critic theme song in that way. That's really interesting. Yeah, I listened to it a lot when I was uh-huh. <laughs> tr- when I was trying to figure out this because I, I wanted to figure out what it what it was that that made it work for like what it was about that particular chunk of music that felt like the critic, you know? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's I, I think you nailed it. Um, oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, I thought you did a great job. Uh, and yeah, you're definitely no stranger to music. Uh, we are actually in a band together. We sure are. Uh, called Ink Blot. Um, Madeline May, also a former guest of, of the pod, also in the band. Um, and uh, well, as we record this, things are still kind of on lockdown. But as soon as things open up, we're going to get back out there. Oh, yeah. Well, we're we're going to throw like... The Inkblot Summer Beach Party somewhere. Just oh, play, just yeah. learn a bunch of like surf rock tunes. <laughs> just be the wonders when they go to like uh, party at Crabs Beach or whatever that thing was yeah. called. <laughs> oh, I am so down for, for all of that. Hell uh, yeah. All right. So actually, w- last thing before we get into this episode, I just have one real quick question for you. Okay. If the critic or if Jay Sherman was a fish song, which song mm. would he be? Mm. Okay. Um, I think the answer to that would be 
I'm, I'm very quickly scanning like 300 songs and that's I not put you on the spot. I well, know. that's not a numeric exaggeration. <laughs> you know, I, I think if, if Jay Sherman was a fish song, he would be, he would be the song ass handed. Okay. Which is a, uh, no, he would be Gaiuti the Ugly Pig, um, <laughs> which which is very much like a, a, I don't know if you've covered that episode yet where his mom makes the uh, oh, the, the kids book. book. Yes, it, it's basically that it's like a 12 minute long, like every note compose odyssey that starts off as this like silly kids song about Gaiuti the Ugly Pig and then becomes this weird like existential crisis and gets like dark and gnarly and weird yeah it's either that or ass handed which just has the lyrics you get your ass handed to you every day the drummer just yells them over no music (laughs) and then they do like a 30 second like acdc riff and it 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 rules (laughs) (laughs) wow okay yeah I, i totally put you on the spot with that question but i knew if anyone could answer it uh, you could. Oh yeah. And I don't know if that's a, like a compliment or <laughs> no, I, I say that with love. Guy U T was the ugly pig who walked on me and danced a jig that he had learned when he was six then stopped and did some other tricks. Uh, cool. So we are looking at uh, the episode Sherman, Woman, and Child. Um, I, I have to say this is actually one of my favorite episodes of the series. I, I love this episode. Um, we we get introduced to Alice, who becomes a, a mainstay throughout the season, who I think adds just a, a really fresh perspective into the show. She becomes a really good kind of foil for Jay. She's just supposed to be Holly Hunter, right? <laughs> yeah, probably. Like, like I think she's wearing the outfit that Holly Hunter wears in Raising Arizona. Oh, really? God, I'll have to. I, it, it, it feels like it if it's not like one to one. She kind of reminds me of more of like Jodie Foster, maybe, or maybe oh, just yeah, maybe just any actress with a southern accent. Could be, could be. Yeah. So yeah, as the episode opens, we do actually get a slightly new, um, like opening sequence. They they took out. Like they took out the shot of Jay and his son going to the zoo and seeing two pandas who look just like them. Oh, um, yeah. And they replace it with um, Jay and Alice like sitting and looking at the, uh, I believe it's the Brooklyn Bridge as it just falls into the river. Was that was that on this one? I I watched that the version of it I watched was on YouTube and I think it just had the first season opening because oh. Alice wasn't in it. Then, well, I uh, watched the DVD version and huh, it, it then, was there. Yeah, yours is probably more accurate <laughs> then. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, but, but that also kind of, you know, they reveal Alice in the opening before we even meet her in the episode, which is a little weird, but I guess there's no other way to do it really. Well, and that's why I thought it, that's why I thought it still had the first season's opening because mm. I knew she was getting introduced in this one. Right. I also watched it with a baked in Spanish subtitle. So I have a lot to say about El Critico. (laughs) Oh man. Uh, Yeah. The, the critic. uh, Jay Sherman is no bueno. (laughs) It's gotten, the the critic has got, it has gotten an official DVD release. It is, you can find it on Crackle, which is, you know, Sony's streaming site who 
technically owns the show, but but yeah, people just pirate it and like no one cares. They're just up there yep. on YouTube, not getting taken down. It's it's weird. Al Jean's just out there like re- reporting every single one. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, so yeah, as the episode opens, it opens in the familiar way. We are on Jay's show where he is uh, reviewing um, a few more good men with Jack Nicholson, Christian Slater and William Devane. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. I can handle the truth. The truth is you talk like me, yak like me. You don't have an original bone in your body. That's a freaking lie. Could the stenographer read that last part back? What am I, a freaking minor bird? Basically the joke being that all three of them have the exact same voice, I guess. Who the hell is William Devane? So I had to look that up. He was on Knots Landing, which I've never oh, seen. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, he was also on 24. Great Boysenberry there. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I'm just totally unfamiliar with him. But uh, if you, if they say he has the same voice as uh, uh, Christian Slater and Jack Nicholson, sure, let's, let's, let's go with it. Yeah, that was like a Hollywood guy at that at that moment in time i i have to assume so yeah uh but then after that we get a very cool parody we get tim burton's the nightmare before hanukkah yeah excuse me is this hanukkah town no it's the vatican and i'm pope shlomo oi and they actually do like a little stop motion uh, sequence of like a little skeleton encountering a rabbi. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and that that all just knowing that this was the premiere for the first episode on ABC or Fox or I forget. I forget which network it is. I, I believe to. this was Fox this season. OK. And so it, it felt like th- that felt like the network just throwing them a couple more bucks and being like, buy yourself something pretty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, season premiere, you got to come out strong. And I, I, oh, yeah. I feel like they did that. Yeah. So then we kind of get into the, I guess the <laughs> conflict of this episode, kind of a old familiar territory. Jay is suffering in the ratings needs to increase the uh, appeal of his show because he is losing in the ratings to the Benedictine monk variety hour. Ooh, pretty woman. You are so bodacious, pretty woman, just like St. Ignatius. We've got a great show tonight with our special guest star, the Pope. I love that. I love that so much. I would totally watch that if it was real. Like if I could see the Pope break a giant block of ice with his face. God, yeah. The first thing in my notes for this episode is Karate Pope. Hell yeah. <laughs> You've taken a vow of comedy. <laughs> yes. The the um, Johnny Carson parody. That was awesome. I forgot how, how fast and furious the jokes come in this show. Oh, yeah. You really feel the, the Simpsons pedigree in the from the writers there because it's just just boom, a joke a, a minute. Oh, yeah. It's Simpsons level, but it's like family guy speed, which is right. kind of impressive. You know, that's that's kind of um, it's funny you mentioned family guy because I've seen I, I think it was on like the Crackle website or something in their little 
teaser or whatever to sell the show. They're like, years before Family Guy, critic Jay Sherman was blah, blah, blah. Like, they're try- they were definitely trying to say, like, hey, it did the Family Guy thing before Family Guy. Which, which I mean, makes sense that there are, just by virtue of the way the show is set up, there's a lot of just throw to cutaway jokes, mm-hmm. you know, like like The Nightmare Before Hanukkah or uh, the, uh, the Pope show. You know, there's just a lot of space built into how this show functions to just throw to some good jokes that you could kind of slot into any particular episode. Yeah, and I would not be surprised at all if Seth MacFarlane said the critic was a huge influence on him. Oh, totally. Yeah. So yeah, Duke comes in. Duke Phillips, one of my favorite characters. Oh, I love just him. Just to inform us that, um, yeah, Jay's job is kind of in danger once again. Um, we're going to get some better stuff with Duke later on in this episode, but here he's just kind of, eh, like, eh, here's here's the plot thrust of this episode well he does have his 15 second workout oh right we do get that (laughs) his uh 15 second workout he kind of tosses jay around like a medicine ball with uh doris how how many cigarettes do you think doris grouse smoked like over the course of her life oh the actual actor you mean yeah um i can only uh, or the the character too really oh yeah I'm, i'm reminded of the old bill hicks joke where he says um he like asks an audience member who's smoking. He says, you know, how much do you smoke? He says two packs a day. And Bill's like, ha, ah, I go through two lighters a day. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it reminds you of the file photo of Homer Simpson. Oh, God, that as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, D- Doris probably somewhere in the neighborhood of two lighters a day. Oh, yeah. And I said with all the love in the world, I adore Doris Grau. Oh, yeah, she rules. I mean, she uh, she got to be on two different animated shows using her actual name. Yeah. Like both of her characters are named Doris. And basically playing the same character. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, after we leave the set of Jay's show, we get to him in the cab. It's a rainy day in New York. And this is kind of where we get uh, introduced to uh, Alice. I'm so tired, Mama. Pick me up. Hey, I'm walking here. Oh, Oh, that poor woman. Mama, the stranger's coming. Don't worry, I've got my pepper spray. Mmm, jalapeno. And he gets pepper sprayed for his troubles, which, you know, there is a lesson there. Don't don't just walk up to random women without, you know, at least introducing yourself or something. Yeah. Jalapeno. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. I guess, you know, Jay, the the lifelong New Yorker, he's kind of used to getting pepper sprayed at this point. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so he does introduce himself and there's this kind of meta joke where You know, you look familiar. I'm Jay Sherman, the famous film critic. I used to have a big show on ABC for about a week. I mean, I do love meta jokes like that. Oh yeah, there's a there's a lot of meta jokes specifically about John Lovitz over the over the course of this series. Oh yeah, like especially when uh, like John Lovitz shows up as himself, and Jay is like, "Wow, what a hunk," you know. Oh yeah, my favorite is when uh, Jay accuses uh, Andy Dick of uh, 
being responsible for getting Phil Hartman's wife back on coke and smashes his face into a uh, a bar. Oh my god! Oh. That's my favorite scene that actually happens in the critic and not real life. Oh yeah, I think that's probably in the uh, DVD special features. That's in that weird third mini season they did for some website. Oh yeah, the webisodes. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get to those on this podcast eventually. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I'm trying to just. Be a completist, I guess. That's fair. Yeah. All right. So Jay and Alice get in the cab together. Um, and then Penny says she doesn't like Jay because he gave a bad review to the Lion King. You didn't like the Lion King. You're mean. Penny. It's all right. Rex Reed did the same thing. Which is such, I, I guess, I guess Jay would do something like that, even though the Lion King is pretty universally beloved. He would probably be one of those like, well, it just ripped off Kimba the White Lion. <laughs> yes, that that is the J move. He, of course, he knows the original source material, or the like, or like the fact that it's loosely based on uh, what Hamlet, Hamlet maybe yeah. one of the Shakespeare's is. Yeah. Uh, uh, so we make it back to Alice's apartment. Oh yeah, and. We get the first in a running gag where just a potted plant just out of nowhere just falls on Jay's head. Oh, Jay, be careful of the plant. <laughs> Funny man. Speaking of speaking of Peter Griffin, he falls in the exact opposite way to Peter Griffin, who just has that um, kind of amazing one frame up, one frame down fall. Jay's is so fully animated and like you see every frame and it rules as he falls over like a fucking bowling pin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He kind of like wobbles and then, yeah, like completely straight spine just kind of falls over as a so good. Yeah. Um, and he ends up. Wearing one of Alice's maternity dresses. One of my favorite jokes of this episode. He's just There's a lot of Jay and drag in this episode. <laughs> now, Jay, your clothes were soaked, so I had to put you in one of my old maternity dresses. On a letterman, this would look undignified. Uh, that's true. Because, oh, did we? Oh, I think we uh, passed the, like, the first instance where. Oh, no, we're not. We're not there yet. We're almost there. We're like Jay as a child dressed as the. What is I, I don't even know the name of that kind of stock like character. Little, but like little Lord Fauntleroy sort yes, of outfit. The, the blue, like the blue uh, outfit and the blonde curls. He doesn't have a big lollipop, but he should. Oh, absolutely. That's is, that was. Though, isn't there one episode where he it does cut to Jay and he has a big lollipop? I feel like there is. God, I I can't recall right now, but um, probably. <laughs> They kind of get into uh, basically Jay talking about how he he needs a new uh, personal assistant. Yeah, or there. Oh, oh. Also, Alice mentions her her cheating ex husband Cyrus, the country singer. Yeah, who sort of looks like they just put a, a cowboy hat on the Australian guy. On Jeremy, yeah, very like this show really only has one type of like hunky character. Mm hmm. It's a good Billy Ray Cyrus burn, too. Oh, God, I did, that didn't even occur to me. Yeah, his name is Cyrus. Yeah, this would have been like at the height of achy, breaky heart mania that right. ki that killed so many. And yeah, it's a good thing Billy Ray Cyrus just kind of stayed in the early 90s and we never heard from the Cyrus family ever again, nope. right? <laughs> he, he just stayed on the old town road. <laughs> but yeah, so 
Oh yeah, so then it's kind of revealed, just kind of at random, that Alice is getting evicted by the weirdest telegram delivery man ever. Ms. Alice Tompkins? Yes? I've got some news for you. It's your ticket out of this rundown flophouse. Oh, that's wonderful. You're evicted! Yeah, that, that's, such, that's such an odd little moment. <laughs> He's just, yeah, just grinning and like, uh, very, just very weird, but... But yeah, Jay, you know, Jay leaves. He gets pounded with some more uh, <laughs> potted plants on the way out. <laughs> and that is kind of the end of Act 1. Uh, as we open Act 2, we're back on the show Coming Attractions where we get, I think, the other great film parody of, of this uh, episode. This is where we get Forrest Gump 2, where Forrest meets Bill Clinton. Mr. President... I'm Forrest Gump, owner of Bubba Gump Shrimp. Shrimp? I love shrimp. Shrimp cocktails, shrimp scampi, shrimp puffs, shrimp kebab. That that, they sh that should have been just the rest of the episode. <laughs> Credits just roll after 20 minutes of that. Like that one Space Ghost episode. <laughs> very very wonder chosen to do oh, a Oh god, like that. yeah, it's so wonder chosen. Man, who could have guessed that like that like this would be the 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 of all the things to to mock about Bill Clinton, like the fact that he he loves to eat is not even like touching the surface. Oh yeah, it, it's it's very much a like early Clinton administration joke. Because uh, at that point, you could either do that he ate a lot or that he played sax. Those were the yeah. two jokes you could do about it, it Bill Clinton. <laughs> it would be like if someone today did like a stand up routine about Michael Jackson, just joking about. The song Ben. Yeah. <laughs> there's, it's like, man, there's so much worse stuff coming. Or just like about Trump's bad, like cameos in 90s movies. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, yeah, that would have been right around this time, too. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it would have been. Yeah. He would have he already been in Home Alone 2. Arguably the zenith of his acting career. <laughs> I think so. Both the Zenith and the Nadir, which is uh, uh, kind of incredible if you think about it. <laughs> um, indeed. So uh, back in the uh, the makeup chair, Jay is telling Doris he wants to help Alice. And um, oh, actually, yeah, this is where Duke comes in, does his 15-second workout, and then says, just slip her money without knowing because the best charity is anonymous. The best charity is always anonymous. What about that? All hail Duke. Duke is life. All hail Duke. Duke is life. All hail. <laughs> Pigeons seem to like the sound of my. <laughs> One of my favorite jokes, maybe of the whole series, that giant statue and just. This all hail Duke. Duke is life is not just my favorite joke in the critic. It's one of my like top five favorite comedy things ever. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Though I, I, though I will admit that the, the follow up line about pigeons love flying into my. Yeah. Is oh, of course. Maybe it's so much funnier. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. The whole sequence is just great. And then Charles Napier, the, the voice actor for Duke is just, just, does it perfectly the the chanting statue and the getting the pigeon in the throat oh yeah he, that is one of the most his his performance as duke is one of my favorite 
voice performances. It's just such a perfect melding of of like tone and uh, you know just a little bit of like the sort of Ted Turner influence, but really oh, yeah. quickly becoming this just very unique. I love a weird billionaire, you know, someone like <laughs> like Duke or Jimmy James or uh, Sean Bean is the uh, billionaire murder pervert on Snowpiercer. <laughs> I, I, just, I love a like specific billionaire. And Duke is one of the most specifically weird billionaires in TV history. And I love him. Oh, yeah, of course. Like also the other weird billionaire on this show, Jay's dad. Who, oh yeah! Unfortunately, absent from this episode, but yeah, he's just, in there. He's in there once. Wait, where is he? Uh, when he uh, when he Jay gets put on the bus to Attica. Oh right. <laughs> he has like he has I forget his line, but it's something like, "Well, he'll make friends," right, or something like that. All right, yeah. Uh, it's no yeah. take that Guernica, but it's it's a good <laughs> yes. it's a good moment. <laughs> Which that will be this season because that's that is with Penny where he and uh, Penny drive through the giant uh, Guernica painting. Uh, Yeah, so great. Um, uh, But all right, so Jay resolves that he's going to help out Alice. First, he tries slipping an envelope full of money under her door, only to find out, whoops, that wasn't her apartment. It was the crazy postman who lives next door. Hmm, the perfect crime. What's the perfect crime, Jay? If you live there, then who? All right, time to buy me an Uzi. Because that was also, I guess, relevant at this time. And I guess where the the, uh, the saying going postal came from. Oh, yeah. Real, uh, yeah, kind of a dated view, I guess, of, of like mental health kind of all over this, this episode. Yeah, m- m- mental health in some like light period homophobia. Oh, yeah. Um, and also, like, gun violence kind of being flippant about that as well. Right. Uh, you know, it, it can't though all that, though, age well. Dennis the Menace to Society is a great joke. Oh, yes. We're getting that later. Yeah. <laughs> Dennis the Menace to Society. That kid's a pain in the ass. Uh, love the Mr. Wilson in that. Did they make Mr. Wilson Jewish or was that just the voice actor they got? Uh, well, they made him, uh, they were trying to make him look like Mathau because right. of from the, the, from the from movie. The movie, yeah. Oh, and is Walter Mathau Jewish? I don't. No, but I, I think that was, I think that was less like a, like a Jewish voice and more just somebody doing a Walter Mathau impression because okay. the character looks like him. Yeah, for sure. I, I forget what, um, what the uh, Mr. Wilson from the cartoon or comic strip looks like, but I guess they, uh, yeah, they kind of nail Walter Matthau's uh, look in there. In my head, the dad is just the dad from Family Circus, but I know that's wrong. (laughs) No, the the dad from Family Circus doesn't have, well, I mean, he has three mildly misbehaving kids, nothing on the scale of Dennis (laughs) the Minister to worry about. That's true. (laughs) Yes. Um, yeah, he has kids who might get their head stuck in a oatmeal tube or something. <laughs> <laughs> what is an oatmeal tube? Like, you know, the giant uh, cardboard tube that uh, Quaker Oats come in. They'll what? Try to, they'll try to use it as like an astronaut helmet or something, and then they'll get their head stuck in there. 
Oh, oh, okay. I know what you're talking about. I was, I was just imagining like an industrial duct full of like oatmeal. I was like, what oh my the God. hell is he talking about? Has my drummer lost his mind? I need him back there. Fuck. Nah, the old, the old oatmeal tube. We all, we all know the oatmeal tube. That's not a, that, that's it's, a common, it's the common way to refer to that. The hydraulic oatmeal tube that yeah. zips oatmeal around the city at high speeds. Not to be confused with the pneumatic oatmeal tube. <laughs> uh, right, true. <laughs> all right, um, where are we? Oh yeah, so Alice finds Jay trying to give her money and she says she doesn't take charity. All she has is her pride, but with her Southern accent, sounds more like prod or, pride. you know. Look, I do not take charity. Daddy only gave me one thing, his pride. His prod? No, his pride. His broad? No, his pride. Yeah, another like, is that supposed to be Holly Hunter or or um, Jodie Foster? Do they ever do a Clarice joke with her? I feel like they maybe do. Not with, uh, not with Alice, but they like Jay does review a Silence of the Lambs parody. Oh right, right. That's maybe what I'm thinking of. Yeah, I forget what the exact joke was, but yeah, they basically do a. Um, a Jodie Foster impersonation. Right. All right. So Jay offers Alice the job as his personal assistant uh, <laughs> because Jay is about to get fired and he needs to revamp his image, which leads us to this fun, almost almost Wonder Woman 84-esque uh, <laughs> clothing montage. A L- little bit or the that uh, the scene where Spider-Man has bangs <laughs> in Spider-Man 3. Bangs oh. in uh, eyeliner. <laughs> Yeah, the the emo uh, Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, but we get, well, actually, well, we get much edgier outfits than that in this montage because the first, the first thing they go to to dress Jay as is Alex from A Clockwork Orange. <laughs> right. Um, then I guess like a like a Victorian kind of. Like, wo- like a sort of like debutante yeah. sort of. Yeah, he's in like a a big like hoop dress and he's got a little parasol uh, and a wig. Like she's going to the Derby. Ex- <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then we, we end on uh, just, just a sharp, like, uh, like Arnold or Danny DeVito in twins, just like a sharp looking suit. Oh yeah. It is the suit from twins, isn't it? <laughs> kind of reminded me of that. I, that must've been knowing this show. That must've been on purpose. Uh, yeah, they don't they don't give uh, they don't bring in Arnold to kind of really play it up. But yeah, the, the suit is definitely it looks a lot like that, complete with, you know, sunglasses and, and throwing the jacket over your shoulder. Yep. It's, yeah, it's straight out of twins. Um, and that actually does lead to higher ratings for the show, because instead of instead of actually reviewing the films, Jay just kind of struts and poses for. For the crowd. Um, oh, although this lead this leads to actually one of the the weirdest moments in the show. I wanted to focus on. I don't know if you noticed this, but when when Jay is is just walking onto set in his new outfit, people are cheering, and then there's you can hear one weird voice who just says, "Very attractive." Very attractive. I didn't catch that. No, like it. It just it just stuck out to me. Like I don't. Weird. It, it was just someone, I guess, in the in the uh, VO booth that just gave a very dry read of very attractive. It's it was so weird. Huh. 
Um, if you watch the, the episode again, w- watch out for that. It, it will you will not be able to unhear it. But uh, yeah, we got the new the new coming attractions, the new Jay Sherman. Duke loves it because he gets informed of the ratings uh, jump fifty percent, and oh yeah, and they do manage to jam a, another film parody in there. Scent of a Wolfman with uh, Al Pacino. Who gets the raw dead goat? That would be me. Now, come on, Charlie. I want to get a drink. Now, let's get some exercise. Man, they really love... They love their Al Pacino on this show. They love that one joke about Al Pacino on this show. (laughs) That he says, hoo-ah. (laughs) Hoo-ah. Though I did love him jumping up and catching the the frisbee. That was really good. Uh, and then Duke says, now that's what I call film criticism. <laughs> oh, so good. So good. Oh, so then that leads to, uh, Jay takes Alice into Duke's office. So they meet each other. They kind of bond over both being, uh, from the South. Um, which I think is kind of cool. You know, there's yeah. a lot of kind of like East coast eliticism in this show, but then having to kind of like down home characters bond over that fact is pr- yeah. pretty cool. And, and the fact that they're that like, like the, yeah, the critic is a very New York centric show, um, except for that one episode where they go to LA and it's just all <laughs> dead on LA specifics. Yeah. But like, it, it's the things that, 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 the, that uh, they were saying, like the characters were saying about like, being annoyed that all Southern characters are portrayed as like dumb yokels. Like uh, having grown up in North Carolina, that did always bug me a little bit. Mm. So it's nice to see a show actually kind of like acknowledge that despite the fact that like Duke is a hell is a huge yokel. He's just a billionaire yokel. Right. Right. And North Carolina, like that's not even really, I mean, like there are parts of North Carolina that are pretty like kind of progressive, right? Like, isn't, Oh the, yeah. There, there are, there are little pockets. Like, isn't Durham kind of a pretty blue city? Durham is a little bit. Asheville is a little bit. I, I don't know if there's an equivalent to like Austin, hmm. you know, as like the blue Haven or like, uh, uh, Savannah or something like that. But like, or Athens, I guess. But like, yeah, there are there are little there are little pockets of it. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a more I think broadly kind of purple state uh, than a lot of people. It, it's it's just you can't quite classify it as easily as you can like you know some of the other states around it, which is uh, hella frustrating when elections roll around because <laughs> I'm always wrong. Right, <laughs> right. I think I, I think I knew you were from North Carolina. Uh, when did you come out to L.A.? Um, I've been in L.A. since 2014, but I had I had gone to college uh, in right outside of New York City, and then lived in Brooklyn for uh, three four years before moving out here. So I haven't like lived in the South really since. Uh, about 2006. Wow. Okay. Do you ever go back there? Uh, I, I try not to. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I I love North Carolina. I, I I do think it's it's one of the more gorgeous and and cool states in our country. It's just p- politically, it's it's too difficult for me. Uh, 
and I, I just I can't do the humidity anymore is really what it is. Like I straight up told my mom a few years ago, like, look, I'm sorry, I am never, ever going to come visit from June to, let's say, October. Uh, <laughs> if someone dies, we can talk. But like I, I have you ever have you ever been fully underwater in a hot tub? <laughs> uh, yes. Imagine feeling like that all day for about two months. That's a that's a that's a Carolina summer for you. I, I've not been to the Carolinas, but I have been to Florida during Ooh, the summer. Yeah, and um, Austin during the summer. Ooh. And I fully recognize a lot of people would not consider either of those places the true South. So if you don't, if you want to say I've not truly been to the South, fine, whatever. Um, but they, but they are truly humid. <laughs> but yes, and I have been in some extreme weather, extremely hot weather. Yeah. Um, even even when I was in Austin the first time during the summer, um, I went to I went to uh, Barton Springs, which is like this you know natural kind of like river um, where a lot of people go to to swim and and cool off and stuff. Even that didn't really help because even though <laughs> I was in this really cold water because it because it's it's natural it's not like a pool or anything i'm i was still in direct sunlight so i still got really dehydrated yeah it was like when we when we first moved to la the we're just so much closer to like direct sunlight down here that like every day at like three o'clock i would just get these like horrible sun headaches because it was just like so much more powerful than I was used to, you know, living in a city in the Northeast. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I understand New York gets rather, you know, hot summers as well. Oh, but... yeah, it sucks. It sucks <laughs> everywhere because our planet is broken. Oh, yeah, that too. Because, yeah, summers are now hotter than they uh, will ever be or mm-hmm. have ever been. Uh, the, the future is only going to get hotter, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, scary. It's it, it honestly yep. terrifies me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's gonna but, be it's uh, gonna be it's gonna be real bad, and I'm gonna save up all my money so I can get on Snowpiercer once uh, everything oh, gets yeah. real bad. Try, try to get uh, you know a, a car somewhere near the the middle. Yeah, yeah, it sucks in the back, is what I've heard. Yeah, and yeah, I've become obsessed with that show. It's it's so dumb and amazing and wonderful. <laughs> okay, I've not seen the show, but I've seen the movie. It rules. I didn't like the movie all that. I thought the movie was fine, but the show has some wild bullshit in it. <laughs> I thought the movie definitely felt like it, it suffered from some translation problems, maybe. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, but yeah, so um, but at least the show sounds like it's entertaining, which is good. I mean, they've got Mike O'Malley on there from Guts as oh, a train wow. cop, um, who's basically the whole gag of his character is that he doesn't have time to be in like a sci-fi apocalypse. He's just like, <laughs> look, look, pal, I got a wife and kids. I don't got time for no train revolution in a snow apocalypse. And then just awesome. like walks away and eats some lunch meat. It. <laughs> oh, cool. Um, well. Let's get back to uh, this, this other <laughs> show we were talking about. Maybe. Yep. Um, uh, I, I don't want to leave this scene with uh, Alice and, and Duke without mentioning the animatronic bear jamboree. Yes. That, uh, Duke just has at the press of a button. You know, Southern people like us have to work extra hard here in New York. People hear the way we talk. Just assume we're illiterate country bumpkins. We're the bears who sing for Duke, Doo-Dah, Doo-Dah. 
drink and moonshine till we puke. Oh, da do da. <laughs> Big dumb belching bear. We are the bears that sing for Duke. Doodar, doodar. <laughs> I love a good country bears joke. I thought that would a- appeal to you personally. I did a uh, I did a play for uh, the Fringe Festival a few years ago that was uh, just like a full like sort of Disneyland parody that uh, was mostly a Carousel of Progress riff, but the first half of the show was like short versions of some of the other shows in this theme park, like. Uh, a thing called these talking birds over here, which was just <laughs> the tiki room. If they all talk like Mark Wahlberg in the departed. Um, and the country bears riff was the banjo bears. And the idea was that they were like moonshiners. And so it starts off like, <laughs> you know, the country bear jamboree, and then they get busted for uh, illegally making alcohol. And it becomes like a courtroom drama, <laughs> That's awesome. but they're still singing <laughs> bears. <laughs> That sounds like such a, a rich like concept for a show is like a, a fake theme park and all the different shows that would have that that would happen there. Yeah, it, it, I, I have so many ideas for it that we didn't get to do for the show <laughs> that I've been trying to find an outlet for for years. Like I have this entire fake park and the beginnings of a fake Epcot, <laughs> the uh, experimental prototype tax shelter of tomorrow. Right. Right, the the least popular part of Disney World, I think. Uh, the largest, certainly. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Epcot is also where I, I proposed to my wife, but also all Epcot jokes oh, are wow. correct. Wow. <laughs> uh, wow. So, yeah, it definitely has a special uh, meaning to you. I totally understand that. <laughs> but it's also a nerd park for nerds. You're not wrong. Oh, yeah, and it's where that giant golf ball thing is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like a grand and miraculous spaceship. Oh, my Our God. Our spaceship Earth. Oh, right, that's what it is. God, okay. <laughs> I'm Judy Dench. Oh, man. Is it actually Judy Dench? Yeah, it's it's Judy Dench. It's been Judy Dench for about 20 years. Before that, it was Jeremy Irons, and then before that, it was Walter Cronkite. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, because Walt Disney World is old. Yep. And the first draft of the, the script was was written by uh, Ray Bradbury and was like of course it was. 20 pages long. And Disney was like, <laughs> uh, we this isn't a ride. We can't make this. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, man. Cut it down, uh, Marigold Wine Boy. Or, sorry, <laughs> Dandelion Wine Boy. We get it. You burn books. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, but El Critico. Yes. So we get that animatronic bear jamboree. Uh, we get a brief little scene where Jay goes to Lane Reach and meets uh, his Australian actor friend, Jeremy, who uh, tells Jay he's got to, you know, confess his feelings for Alice because there has been a little bit of a, a romantic subplot in this episode. You think they're... Or I guess they do kind of do a, a will they, won't they romance kind of over the course of, of the season, as we'll see. Um, but this is kind of, I guess, where it first comes to a head. Uh, Jay runs to Alice's apartment. He's ready to confess his feelings, but oh no, what what should he find? Cyrus, the ex-husband, is back, and it looks like uh, Alice is... Uh, gonna go back to her ex-husband oh no no (laughs) so that's where we even brooklyn would be dallas 
which is one ew and two <laughs> such a fucking 90s new york joke that brooklyn sucks oh um i honestly don't i have i ever been to brooklyn i'm not sure like every time i've been to new york it was mostly just manhattan mostly just hitting up the tourist spots i mean that makes sense i'd love to you know check out brooklyn one of these days um I hear there's a lot of amazing stuff there. Brooklyn is one of those places where it's it's kind of hard to sum up what is cool about it by with like, you know, for lack of a better word, attractions. Uh huh. <laughs> you know, it's it's just a just a vibe. You know, which God sounds like the most hipster fucking thing I've ever said, but like it's just a it's just kind of a chill place that is near you know something that's yeah. also kind of amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I know I yeah I wouldn't expect there to be you know tourist attractions like like an empire state building or statue of liberty or whatever but but no yeah just a cool place to just kind of soak in the the culture um because i know that uh a lot of like hip-hop and like um like uh street art and stuff uh has originated in brooklyn and it'd just be cool to to see it firsthand yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Brooklyn. Brooklyn is uh, the best. That's why. Yeah. yeah that's why there are yeah. a million songs about how great Brooklyn is. <laughs> but Brooklyn would be Dallas. One of the rhyming lines from Cyrus's, uh, I guess, improvised or maybe pre-written song that he serenades um, Alice with. Alice, don't sing to me. you'd make any home a palace, even Brooklyn would be Dallas, if I could be with you. Oh, damn. Yeah, I mean, if it was improvised, that's some, like, UCB 101 uh, improv <laughs> right there. Yeah. Like, fine, <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, yeah, and because, yeah, Alice said earlier, you know, her heart melts whenever Cyrus sings to her. So that kind of gives Jay an idea. He decides to fight fire with fire and he brings his, I guess, his trusty accordion. Cyrus is just a virus. Hey! He wants to tie you down while you're still young. Your potential is what's essential. You could someday be another Connie Chung. And I appreciated this angle that, you know, Jay says that uh, uh, he, it's, it's not like Jay is trying to get Alice to pick him. He's just trying to get Alice to not go back to Cyrus, which would be a definitely bad decision. And, you know, that whole little uh, that whole little exchange with the two of them is kind of what I was sort of getting at with the uh, stuff I was saying about the theme song of just this sort of like highfalutin, very high status sort of character. And then Jay, you know pops in to sort of bring it back down to earth yeah yeah that is a good point and then jay has this line kind of after um like after you know cyrus has been defeated or whatever and, and allison's in packing he says uh, uh i've lost my ability to tell between what's cute and what's idiotic um which i think sums up both uh the courting process and being a comedian it applies to both <laughs> Yup. I don't know. Have you ever, have you ever serenaded uh, someone you were uh, interested in? Uh, I don't. I don't believe so. But I was also like guitar guy in college, right, right. regrettably. So I did a lot of like 
just sort of ambient serenading for lack of a better word. I don't recall ever being like, I'm going to play a song for a girl and then I'm going to, you know, then then we're going to, we're going to (laughs) kiss. But, uh, I, I think I think that would make me panic a little too. It would have made college me panic a little too much. I think now I probably mm-hmm. could, but uh. yeah, uh, yeah. I I've never done that. The, the closest I came was um, in what was it? High school, I think, like sophomore year, when we learned about um, the different kinds of sonnets, like the Shakespearean sonnet and the whatever other type of sonnet i've completely forgotten uh shakespearean um like uh, uh i keep it forget what were the other major writers around shakespeare's time um like I think john Marlo dunn was, was one of them Marlowe, i think is the only one that people oh, yeah. still really talk about Marlowe, yeah but anyway so yeah there's the shakespearean sonnet there's another type of sonnet um I wrote a sonnet for a girl and, and gave it to her, and she was very much not impressed. Ooh, R.I.P., <laughs> buddy. Sorry uh, you died. But it's fine. It's nah, it's it's totally fine. I mean, I have cer- <laughs> I have certainly written things about girls that I like. I just had it was never a like I'm going to write a thing and then like give it to you. It was always for me more yeah. of like a I'm going to write this thing that is about you or inspired by you to sort of like figure out exactly what my feelings are. Like kind of where my my brain has landed on this particular person. That sounds uh much healthier <laughs> than than like doing the real rom-commy thing of being like hey i wrote this song for you and now you're gonna hear it yeah yeah it's bad <laughs> uh yeah but it it's also led to one time uh one of the first fights uh oh no my, my wife and i ever got into uh i had written a, a one act play uh and a part of it was basically just a fight we had had verbatim and oh. And that's not like what the play was about, but that particular exchange was. And uh, (laughs) I wasn't sure how to bring this up. So I didn't until we were in rehearsal where she was stage managing the show um, and shot me the uh, most intense glare uh, I've ever been shot and <laughs> and i i know beth she she can deliver a stare yeah i i to this day I, i'm still like oh god i that was so dumb that was so dumb that was so dumb yeah it was dumb <laughs> i just looked over to her and she went yeah it was dumb <laughs> uh no we we do love beth though she's great <laughs> we do but yeah, so this luckily this stunt that Jay pulls does uh, work out in his favor. Um, Alice, uh, yeah, just tells uh, Cyrus to to buzz off, um, and uh, Alice kind of just uh, sings a little mini song back to Jay, kind of uh, hinting at a possible romantic future. Jay, I'm glad that you're not gay. I may show you why someday. Yay. Which we will have to watch the rest of the season to see how it uh, plays out. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> and that kind of brings us to the end of the episode. And man, what a what a, a great episode. I, I love 
just the, the way they they handle the romantic stuff i guess it is kind of kind of a cliche just for the the lead to kind of go after the new uh female character they bring in but i mean alice is just such a a, a great character and i think as we'll see she and Jay just go so great together. Oh, yeah. And and she adds a little bit of, like, the first season is, like, exceptionally mean to Jay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, the show is just, like, across the board, just, like, constantly cuts this dude down. And, like, that's sort of by design. But he also doesn't have a particularly high, like, opinion of himself, it seems. And there's a there's a moment in this episode where he makes some, you know, self-effacing comment and she just goes like, oh, hush. Yeah. In that very, <laughs> like, you know, just in that sort of, like, wife and girlfriend or, or partner sort of way of just like, oh, stop. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I think that really cuts it a lot because it it gives the show like because there's a person that is on his side because mm-hmm. all the other characters are, are are pretty if not antagonistic neutral enough towards jay to like let shit happen right <laughs> yeah and it, it's sort of that line is sort of like saying like you know hey stop talking bad about my friend who i like and that friend is you yeah yeah um alice is great and um so yeah, so we get the the usual like credits scene here where where Jay is is watching a, a movie by himself, but we are going to get in later episodes uh, Jay and Alice watching a movie together, or sometimes not even watching the movie. They're just making out through through the whole credits. Oh yeah, which is just uh, awesome. <laughs> I liked it when they changed uh, the ending of Hill Street Blues to be like that too. Oh, and I never watched uh, Hill Street Blues. <laughs> I, I, no, I, I meant, oh, fuck. No, I didn't mean Hill Street Blues. What was the one with Jimmy Smits and Dennis, Farin, uh, Dennis Franz? Oh, NYPD Blue? NYPD Blue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, th- that was the joke I was trying to make is that those okay. two guys were making out. Oh, wasn't a good gotcha, joke, gotcha. but it's just the, guy, the joke <laughs> that I threw out there. And now I'm spending a lot of time explaining it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep that in. I'm not going to edit that oh. out either. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I had no expectation that you would. I had no expectation that oh, you would. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> all right, but that brings us to the end uh, of this episode. Um, yeah. Brandon, thank you so much for, for uh, going through that episode with me. Thanks for having me. It's 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 always fun to be on a podcast, though. It seems that every time I'm on a podcast, pigeons just sort of find their way into my... <laughs> Sorry. Um, you just have that certain quality of voice that just uh, attracts them, I guess. I really do. I've been called <laughs> Napierian. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, so, uh, Brandon, tell us where people can hear more of your stuff. Yeah, if people wanted to find more of uh, my nonsense, you could do that across the – I'm at Hell Yes Brandon on all of the various hell sites we live our lives on these days. Um I've got some music up on my SoundCloud. Um, I've also got a couple tracks. If you go to brandonbeck.bandcamp.com, you'll be able to find uh, a track I made for uh, the Happy Sappy Grown Up Hour that's a Fleetwood Mac parody called We Never Should Have Banged. And hopefully by the time this show comes out, you'll be able to find my new EP, Hat on a Hat. Oh, nice. Which is... uh, I. 
should be out in early April. Um, five songs, couple uh, kind of funny, kind of sad songs, couple cool instrumental guitar jams. Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a cool little EP that I've been working on for most of quarantine and just need to finally get out the fucking door. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm looking forward to hearing it. Also, you've got a podcast of your own with the aforementioned Beth. Yeah, I do. Um, we uh, co-host I Think You'd Be Into It, the podcast about your problematic faves, um, which drops every Monday. It's an enthusiast show uh, where people come on and just talk about a thing they like for an hour. Uh, it, it came from my obsession with the band Fish and everyone being sick of hearing about it. And we just assume most people probably have something like that too. Um, <laughs> you've, you've been on it before. You came on and talked oh, yes. about the critic kind of early in quarantine. Yeah. Uh, we've got some good episodes dropping soon. Just did Frank Zappa. Uh, we, oh yeah. And you just came on and did Frank Zappa too. That's correct. Um, but yeah, we've got some good ones uh, in the hopper. Awesome. Uh, we just dropped one on Orson Welles, which was pretty good for another oh, kind of like <laughs> critic adjacent personality. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's it for for my stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Well, everyone, be sure to check out all that. Uh, thank you again for joining me. No problem. Thanks for having me. And we'll see you again on the next episode of It Stinks, the Critic Podcast. Ah. Thank you for listening to this episode of It Stinks, the Critic Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Rubinow. Our theme song is by Brandon Beck. You can email the podcast at itstinkspod at gmail.com and find us on Twitter and Instagram at itstinkspod. 